great to have children of faith, isn't it? Wonderful. And it's great that you're children of faith in God. And uh, welcome this morning, everybody. Uh, this is a bit of a part two. Um, and if we just get the first slide up, uh, David, that'd be great. So, yeah. Um, last week, uh, we were, Jimmy was talking about the vision. I love talking about vision. So much easier than doing it. <laughs> it's great to talk about it, isn't it? And I love it. I love vision, love thinking about vision, having vision. We on, Julie? We're recording? Brilliant. Okay, welcome everybody on CD or whatever these things are today. Run with the vision is my title. I was thinking about this last week, running the half marathon in Glasgow. I couldn't be here with you, but you got a nice little clip. I didn't want to miss out on what was a really significant day last, last week, and I want to just continue that, talking about our vision and what vision is and how you can have a good vision. This is not just about us saying what we're doing as a church. It's asking you, what do you see? What's your vision for your life? What's your vision of God? What's your vision of how things should be? So not maybe surprising when I was thinking about it, running along the streets of Glasgow, run with the vision is my title. You see, vision, I guess it's obvious, but it's about how you see things. And it determines how you respond to what is before you. Your vision of God, for example, can decide if you're going to be a suicide bomber or an atheist. You might think, because that's, that's what's inspiring some of the things that are going on in the world today, people's vision of who God is. They're prepared to die and kill because that's what they believe their God wants. And others, of course, at the other extreme think, well, if that's what God wants, I don't want anything to do with them. I'm not believing so it's not good just to have vision. You've got to have a good vision. So this morning, I want to just ask the question, how do you have, how can you have a good vision? Eve, do you remember Eve, Adam and Eve? Had a vision of what was before. She could see an apple. She knew she shouldn't touch it. Satan comes along and gives her a new vision of the apple. And it looked good. It was a good vision. So she ate it. And death came. So just having a vision... isn't enough. It's got to be a good vision. When God spoke to Noah and said, build an ark, he had a vision, and Noah was obedient. Many thought, I'm sure, that he was crazy to build an, a boat in a desert. When Samuel was looking for a king, and he found David, he said, surely it can't be him, the youngest, the smallest, but God saw his heart and was choosing him. When the angel came to Mary and said, you will be with child, 
What a vision. What a vision. You will be with child. Not surprisingly, Mary is not sure about that vision quite yet and asks, how will it be since I have never been with a man? A good question. But she captured the vision and she believed the vision. And she had a good vision because she responded in faith and had heard from God. When Jesus spoke to the Pharisee, Nicodemus, to say, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can that be? How can I go back into my mother's womb? A vision that Jesus had that a man could not understand. When Jesus said to his disciples, the Son of Man must die, be crucified in three days, be raised to life, Jesus had a vision. But not one that disciples could understand at that point. So, vision is about how you see things. It does not change what is before you. It just changes how you see things and how you you respond to them. So our vision last week wasn't really about saying we're changing something. It's really just about saying, this is how we see the world today. This is how we see our future. In Matthew 16, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus, it says, and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And we say it today, don't we, Sally? Red skies, did you see them? Elma enjoyed the red skies recently. We see them, and um, he explained that you understand that when, when the sky is red at night, but in the morning today it will be stormy. If it's red in the morning, it will be, be stormy. And he challenged them. Jesus said, you Pharisees, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah, his crucifixion. So, we need to understand the times today. We need to understand what God is doing in the world today. We need to understand how to respond to what is out there today. And our vision is our view of how we're responding to what God is doing in the world today, in the world today. That's what vision is, understanding what is before us and interpreting the signs and saying, here's how we understand it. The question is, is it a good vision? We want to have a good vision. And and just want to talk a little bit about how can you have a good vision? How How can we be sure this is a good vision? Okay, next slide. Thank you. Robert. No, sorry, you jumped ahead of me. One back. What was the one before it? Has that been up for a while? Oh, man. Nip back one. All right, okay, it's fine. Next, next, next one. So that's it. He spoiled my thunder, though. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they spoke to Jesus, they, he challenged them, says, you can't see what's going on. You can't understand the sign of the times. He was right in front of them. They could not understand who Jesus was. They could not understand it. They couldn't see this vision. He was right in front of them. Where's the vision? I'm the vision, Jesus was saying. You will see it when I'm crucified 
and raise again. And if you're not wired the way some people are, and I guess I'm maybe wired, I love looking at vision and understanding how things work and writing them down. If you ever want to know what our vision is, that's Jesus. Jesus is our vision. In a word, and it's never been different, it's never going to be different, it's exactly the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus is our vision. If you're wondering, you think, oh, I can't remember, is it this, is it that, is it? Jesus is our vision. Isn't that right, Jimmy? It's Jesus. It's really all about Jesus. And, it, and it's important to just emphasize that, that in our DNA as a church, we're called the Vine Church for a very good reason. John 15, and there it is. I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it'll be even more fruitful. And we took her name from this passage. Jesus is the vine. So when you are coming to church on a Sunday and you see the vine center, you can whisper to somebody, you know, it's really Jesus. This is really the Jesus center. Because that's what it says. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And that's all we're saying. So Jesus is all over the place. This is the Jesus center. And I just want to encourage you with that, to know that. Others come from the water board, from the health board, from this, and they might ask the vine center, that's a nice name, where's the wine? <laughs> they have a different vision, they don't understand what's before them. But they maybe will ask, and I know that Tim and Robert are extremely good at explaining, well, this is what happens in this place. So, Jesus is really, at the heart of everything, our vision. And it's a good vision. I've had a vision for, I've been able to see for 50 years. Can you believe that? I've had a vision for 50 years. A few minutes after I came out of the darkness, I started to open my eyes. And I could see. I was blessed with sight. At a very early age, I could see. Nine months in the womb, a few minutes, my eyes were opened. It's quite easy to see things. More, I think everybody here has been blessed with that same gift. Maybe not for 50 years. Some aren't. They see in different ways. As I grew up, of course, I didn't just see things. I started to understand how to make the most of them. Eat that, don't eat that. Things like that. Touch that, don't touch that. You start to interpret what is before you. You start to see and make sense of what you see. And understand how best to respond to them. And of course I grew and uh, um, 18 years late afterwards, though my sight started to deteriorate, I couldn't see as clearly as I used to be able to. I had to go to Specsavers and get corrective facilities to help me see more clearly. 30 years on, I wear, I wear contacts most of the time now, so you, don't, you can't see it. It's not a good illustration. But the last pair I bought, Sally, my wife, was saying, those glasses are so thick, your eyes look tiny. <laughs> my vision has continued to deteriorate. My natural vision, what I see before me, but that's not the best vision. That's not all vision is about. That's not what we're talking about. When I was 20 years old, I started to see in a new way, completely. I started to see what was before, to me, invisible. 
I want to ask you, who can see things that are invisible here today? Anybody see the invisible? You know, if you can't see the invisible, your vision is not good enough. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, it starts to make sense. That same analogy, coming out of darkness into the light. You need to be born again. I was born again at the age of 20, and I started to see things that before were invisible. I'd been for years thinking, is this all there is to life? What I could touch and what I could feel. And at the age of 20, by faith, I started to see that there was more to life than just what I could see and feel and touch and eat. If you just have 2D vision like that, you just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. But we are called to have 3D vision. Your vision and my vision and our church's vision needs to have a third dimension. We need to have depth. We need to understand what is going on. We need to understand the sign of the times. We need to be able to see that Jesus is really our vision, and how do we respond to that? Faith allows you to see what is invisible. In Hebrews 11, it says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So it's funny to talk about vision when we're actually often talking about things we can't even see yet. And that whole Hebrews chapter, people who saw what was invisible. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, the prostitute, Gideon, Barak, Samson. It talks about all the prophets and all those heroes of faith. What distinguished them was their vision and their ability of their vision to see what was invisible and it inspired them to trust God, to believe God, to follow God, to take nations. If our vision is three-dimensional and understands that there's a God who loves us, we will do great things, and we can do great things. By faith, Moses, it says in Hebrews 11.25, when he grew up, refused to be known as the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin because of his vision. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He couldn't touch it. He couldn't feel it. He could have had it in the palaces of Pharaoh, but he saw a better treasure. What he saw in his vision changed his behavior remarkably. He gave up on what was comfortable and what was easy. And by faith, it says he left Egypt, not fearing the king's answer king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And that is our call. That is our hope. That is our challenge for every Christian to see who he who is invisible. And if we respond to that and understand that appropriately, we will do great things. So we need to have 3D vision. If you want to have a good vision it needs to be f- starting with faith. You need to be born again. And Jesus even said, you need the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. And um, of course, in Hebrews 1, it says that in the past, 
God spoke to our ancestors. All these people have been mentioning through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful world. And he has provided purifications for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus is the vision for us. He is the only vision, the only one. And we see it throughout our understanding of how to apply that and respond to that in our vision. Peter said, when asked, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah. And Jesus explained, you cannot see that with your own eyes. That has been revealed to you by the Father in heaven. And every single one of us has an opportunity to have revelation from the Father of who Jesus is. The Messiah, the Son of God. And John 16 explained to the disciples that the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't see Jesus. We can't understand what God is doing. So we need to have good vision. We need to have faith. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and seeing Jesus at the center of everything. So, we need to have vision. We need to have good vision. We can only have good vision by faith and by the Holy Spirit. And as we have that good vision, we can respond to it. It's just a way of seeing what is out there and helping us understand what should we do in response to this great vision. And what is our vision? We laid it out last week. It's now on our wonderful website. Can anybody remember the three parts to our vision? It's hard, Sally, I know. <laughs> Love our God, thank you. And the second part? Love our family. Love our world. I'm sure Stuart thought of most of that, by the way. Thanks, Stuart. To be honest, it's, um, most websites across most churches will have something pretty similar. So this isn't really what distinguishes us, but it's our view of how we see things and what's important. So it is important. It's also important that you're comfortable with the vision, that we can explain how we see things so you, it makes sense to you what we're doing and why we're doing it. So we have a theology, if you like, underpinning all these different foundation stones. The three pillars, Jim, Jim's vision of the bridge, the third bridge coming across the fourth road bridge, he prophesied. A third wave of the Holy Spirit coming. Three pillars, three foundations. And similarly, our three foundations for where we're going, what we're doing, and what we're going to build upon to get from one side to the other, to get from here to the future, to get from Edinburgh to Dunfermline. It's a good journey to come. I promise you. So love our God. Let's talk about that just for a minute. Love our God. The next slide is already ahead of me. Thanks, David. Um, it's the great 
command. When Jesus was asked by the Sadducees and the Pharisees in Matthew 22, an expert of the law came to him and said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love our God. So it's just not what we're saying, but it also asks a question, and I would like you to be able to answer the question that it asks. Who is your God? We're saying our God, and I've also already suggested that people's vision of who God is is changing. We need to have a shared vision of our God if we're going to work effectively together as a group of believers. If we don't see things the same way, it's going to be difficult. And, and we're saying our God is a God of love, who loves us, and has called each of us by name, who is the Almighty, the one creator, who threw the stars into place and spoke out to create the world. He's the Father of Jesus, part of the Trinity, the only God. And he's full of promises, full of hope, full of love, for all things and all people everywhere. How good is your God? We spoke singing today that he's a great God. And when Lindsay was singing, we were singing along. He makes me brave. It's the sort of God we're talking about, that he makes us brave. And Lindsay, Aaron, God spoke to me when you were singing that, and he said, your name is Braveheart, because you have been brave, and you share a heart, Aaron and Lindsay, and I'm not writing this on your foreheads, but Braveheart is a word for you, at least for today, that he says he's given you a brave heart, and he's formed in you a brave heart, and if you want to know about the vision of our church Really, you need to dig deep and, 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 and get to know some of us. And every person that I know and see has a story. And the vision, really, of our church is the people. This is Jimmy and Elma's story, Aaron and Lindsay's story, our story, our family story, my story, George's, Lynn's, you know, the people who make up this church are the vision. You are the vision. And wherever we go and whatever we do, we are taking the vision with us. And, and, and the, the question, the challenge is, what, what is that message that we're giving out? And it's superficial. It's 2D, what the website says. It means nothing if, unless people come in and find out that, goodness, these guys really do love their God, and their God is really good and really attractive. And, and when we're out in our world and in our places, if, if, if people can't see that in us, It doesn't matter what we say on our website. If, if people come and, and I hope that people get blessed when they come here and they meet the wrong attitude during the week from Tim, and I've come, I'm using that as an example because I've never seen Tim be other than cheery and faithful, it, it, that's where they'll find out if our vision is real. We're communicating it all the time. It's our upward 
relationship. And it's full of love. Because we believe our God is full of love. And he is enabling us and empowering us and releasing us to be full of love. Abraham's promise from God that he would be a blessing to all nations. We inherit through Jesus Christ. And that's why we've said our priority for this year is to lead with worship. That's why we invest a little bit in a worship leader, Lindsay, because we think it's so important. So how does a vision get implemented? We respond to what we see. We invest in Lindsay and, and the worship team and the PA. We, we spend money. It, 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 if your bank balance doesn't, ref, it reflects you more than you can imagine. What are you investing in? What are you spending on? We're spending on worship because we think it's so important. Not just the singing, but the whole vision of what worship is to become a living sacrifice, that discipleship is worship. Our lives are a sacrifice of worship. So it, it, it's just a great uh, foundation that we love our God. And we respond to that in so many ways. Okay. Love our God. Love our... Yes. We got mixed up with church and family quite a lot, didn't we, Michael? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, and we talk about it because they're so interchangeable, how we see church and family, because we see them pretty much as the same thing in this church. This used to be the Vine Fellowship, did it not, once upon a time? The Vine Fellowship, because it was birthed on meeting together in small groups and having a personal relationship with Jesus and sharing that with each other to encourage one another. We, we, I don't think you even wanted a building for a long time. It was like... Pfft. An anathema. You wouldn't. Why do you want a bigger? It's meeting together. It's Jesus. It's the personal relationship with Jesus. And church was very much in the 60s, 70s, and 80s as this group of people were being formed. It was about moving away from traditional church. Rebels like Len and Carol didn't want to go to a real church. Is that fair, Len? You wanted something real that you could wear an Afghan coat to. And we reflect that. We even say on our website, it doesn't really matter what you wear. Wear something, please. But, you know, um, come as you are. It's, it's a reflection of that truth that we, you know, we want people to, you don't have to come, you don't go home when you finish work and get dressed up. You don't polish your shoes and sit in a shirt and tie. That, that, because you're at home. We want this to be home. So come relaxed. Come like, you know, uh, you feel comfortable, you feel relaxed. That's, so that's why we don't wear suits. We don't wear ties. And it's maybe a small thing, but it's a big thing. It reflects what we think God is like, that he, he's Abba Father. He's, he, he's not the headmaster. He's not the police officer. He's our Father, and we come home. And this should be a homecoming every Sunday. And you get welcomed, you get a cup of coffee, and you sit down, you put your feet up, Hugh. It's brilliant, eh? I love it. That's what it should be like. Your family is, and it, it, it seems superficial, but it's fundamental promise and truth that reflects who God is. That is incredibly powerful. And written about in Hebrews 2, trying to explain this, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect 
through what he suffered, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call you, Mark, my brother, the brother of Jesus. Jesus said, when asked who his brother and mother and father was, he said, these are. Here are my brothers, my mother, for who, he didn't get sisters in, but I'm sure he included them. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister, it does say it, and mother, so we're safe. That is the most incredible vision, the most radical, world-changing, life-shattering, incredible vision of who God is and what he's like, that he would call us brothers and sisters. It's amazing. It's wonderful. If you can see with 3D vision, not just what it says, but the implication, how do you respond to that, can change your life. And it's why we have heroes of faith all around the world giving up their lives because their vision of that is so clear. And it should be completely transformational. And it's so important to us that that truth that you are an adopted son or daughter of the living God is strong in your heart. It's clear in your heart that you know who you are. So the question this poses, how do you see yourself? Can you see yourself adopted as part of God's family? That's what can make vision hard. You think, no, it's too difficult. But that wonderful truth, as it sinks into your spirit, we want to be reinforcing that all the time. And, and we reflect it in how we support marriage and even Jimmy doing, doing marriage ceremonies. You think, well, is that important? It's just another little sign that we believe that God has called families to be the cornerstone and the pillar of society, that we love marriage. God loves marriage. He hates divorce. God loves families. He created Adam and Eve, the first family. And in, throughout the Bible, it's his kingdom is built on families. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all one family. The Jewish people, the, the people of God, one family. And then through Jesus, every nation on earth becoming part of this one family. Mary and Joseph, a family with Jesus born to them. Families are so important and so powerful. And that's why we went for love our family. Because it, it wants to encourage you to say, well, how am I getting on with my family, my spiritual family. It allows people who have no family to think, well, I can have a family if I come to church to be adopted in the, to the family of God, that there are no orphans. There are, everybody can be adopted. There are no singles. There are no pe people who need to be alone anymore. We want to be family, and, and, and that's the heart of our vision, is that we want to express that, and that is the basis of our relationship with each other is love and family. So we want to see each other as brothers and sisters. And again, that can be a challenge and it can be a thrill. 
depending on how you look at each other. And are you just looking at 2D? Are you just looking at their age, their wearing? The challenge for you is to see with faith, see with 3D, see this person's heart. You may not in the natural be close or have much in common with each other in this room, but we have a, a joining through Jesus Christ that allows us to love one another. And it's so powerful. This is the gospel. It's wonderful. Love our family. We invest in a kids worker. We invested in a worship leader. We invest, and I mean by paying a small salary part-time. That's what I'm talking about. It's putting our money where our mouth is. We think it's so important that through all the difficult times, we've managed to maintain a leader of worship. We've, we've this year brought Claire Fisher on to support our kids' work because kids are so important. Family is so important. The workers and the gangs are so important. What's happening today is so important. The vision is being outworked with the kids, kids United today and every week and everywhere. Family is so important. And because we have that in our foundation, we work it out on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. We have divine thoughts during the week because we see family as so important. We have the youth group Leaders, Sarah and Stephen and the team, Alison and Ewan, loving the youth on a Friday night and just helping them try and feel part of a family to let them know that they're important. So we invest in that because that's what's in our vision. That's how we understand the world to be, that family is so important that whatever age, from cradle to grave, God cares about you and has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And we want to reflect that and we want to do that. And we just love that thought that whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever stage you're at in life, God has something to say to you. And that is radical. It's radical. And in Africa and Uganda, when David and Helen went out there, the churches there had no idea that there were kids even in the world. Is that not right, David? They just couldn't see that there was hundreds of kids sitting. They didn't, there was no minister to them, no, no outreach to them, because all they could see was the guys in the, in the suits, maybe that was a bit unfair, but the, the adults. And David and Helen challenged them and said, look at these children. And now there's a whole Daniel generation, a whole Joseph generation. We had the youth conference with thousands of youth coming. And, 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 and it's incredible. It's wonderful because they brought a slight adjustment to the vision. They had always been there, but you just see by the power of faith and the Holy Spirit, they saw something that they hadn't seen before. Fantastic. Love our God, love our family. Love our... Hallelujah. Thank you. Jimmy obviously talked about this last week, how we're seeing this, um, how we express this, how we were excited about how do you reach people? How do we fulfill the great commission? Love our world. Then the 11 disciples went to, to Galilee, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Next one, David. Thank you. I never noticed this before, Jim. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain. It says it there. Where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus, still? 
Anybody doubt occasionally? Even disciples did. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's lots we have to say about this, but um, what we're recognizing is that to reach the world, to, to, to fulfill this obligation, this Seven Mountains vision is, is going to help us, I think. For me, when I first heard it a few years ago, when Jimmy shared it, um, and, uh, and of course, without um, denigrating Jimmy, it's, it's not Jimmy's vision. This has been something that's been around. You can read about it. You can Google it. You'll find, you know, it's got a history, how people are seeing this, a revelation from God. But it's just so helpful for us. And it's when you catch the vision, it becomes yours. And we've caught many visions in our church over the last 20 years, 30 years that I've been here. We caught the Toronto vision. We caught the vision for early morning prayer. We caught the group of 12 vision. We caught the fellowship vision. We caught the church vision. You know, we're catching, we're trying to listen to the sign of the times all the time to see what God is saying and how we do it and how we implement it. So this is just another season when we're thinking, ah, right, okay, this is going to be more effective, more helpful for us as we're trying to reach people. And it, for me, is affirming every single person in this room to say wherever you're doing, wherever you're working at, wherever your community is, whether you're in the house, whoever you're interacting with, you, 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 you are the church. You, you're reaching out. You have a mountain before you. And you can know that God is with you in that mountain. You don't just need... And the G12 was great, but it focused on the church mountain. And when people... You know, if they couldn't be a house group leader or cell group leader or leader 12 because there wasn't enough people, it was like, oh, what do you do next? But this vision moves us on and, and takes some of the great principles that G12 gives us and said, ah, there's more. There's a bigger vision. There's another horizon. And we can be out there. And, and just very quickly, as an example, personally, my, two of my kids exemplify possibly how this can make sense. Um, Alana, my, my 19-year-old at Stirling University, studying to be a primary, uh, pr- studying primary education, has a heart for God like no other. I would say that. I'm her dad. But I believe it. She, she's been sensitive to the Spirit from the moment her eyes opened. And Jimmy, I have to tell you the story. I love it. Jimmy mentioned... Selma last week, the film, and I showed the clip. I'd seen it with Alana when she came home from uni one weekend, just the two of us went out, saw the film, and we didn't really know what to expect, but we were watching it, and it (laughs) was just, I was loving it, because it was just the moment we were talking about heaven, we were talking about worship at the beginning of the year, and um, the music was powerful, the story was amazing. And by the end of the film, I was in absolute floods of tears with joy and just emotion and feeling affirmed and thinking, oh my goodness, God is so good and the worship is so powerful. I'm in heaven in the Odeon Cinema on a Saturday night. And it's just amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for this film. And I turned to Alana, who was laughing her head off at me. Because she could just, she knew she knew exactly what I was feeling and thinking. She, 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 she just knew. 
Because she shared the same heart and the same vision. She knew what my heart was. She knew why what I was seeing was having an effect on my heart. She understood completely, more than possibly anybody else in the whole world. I was sitting with somebody who, yeah, I know. I know. And it was just a, one of those moments, you know, just perfect. And um, she's not going to Sydney, though, to be a worship leader, like my son, Isaac, who's nipped off to work to Primark to get some money so he can afford it. And being a worship leader and being a minister like that, it's like, whoa, you go to Australia. That is so cool. Amazing. You must be a real guy of faith. And Alana's left in Sterling. And there can be a question, and there has been a question. that People might say, oh, there's the, there's, there's the kingdom of God in Isaac, and there's Alana. What Alana will do in a classroom with her heart will be as much, if not more, influence for the kingdom of God in this world. And that's, I think, all we're saying, isn't it, Jim? Your teacher, your nurse, your doctor, you're unemployed, you're going at the door, you're sick. When um, Robert, bless you, you're here, Robert. You enjoyed a few times of fellowship with the nurses through some treatment the last few years. Doesn't sound good, does it not? Bad example. Cut that. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to say. I'll dig. I'll pick another somebody else. Henry Upton. Whatever. Okay. Listen. Get a clear vision. Get a good vision. I had an apple and you think it's flipping rubbish. Robert's a blessing wherever he goes. Henry's a blessing wherever he goes, whatever his circumstances are around him. You can be a blessing to all nations, everywhere, at all times, because of the power of God in you and the vision you have. That's what we're saying. That's our vision. That's our hope. That's our world. That's what we're believing for. And loving our world is just fulfilling the great commandment in the way we see it at the moment. We're in Uganda. We're in Haiti. Supporting Okipi. Come We'll keep, we'll keep. Anyway, Aaron will make it clearer in November. Compassion, hope for justice, the food bank locally, Bethany locally, football chaplaincy, Queen Anne High School. There's a lot going on, and hopefully most of it's on the website actually now, which is cool. If it's not, it will be. There's stuff going on all, the, all over the place, all the time, because of our vision that hasn't actually really changed. We're just adjusting it to be clearer on what we're going to be doing, where our direction of travel is. And all we're saying is, look, this is the way we see things. This is how we're understanding the sign of the times. Do you want to join us? You know, because you've got to have a chance to say, how do you see things? You know, is, is, that's why this session is so important in, in a minute, Q&A. Come, come and, yeah, I get this. I get that. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm capturing this vision. I'm with you on this vision because I can see how I can hopefully contribute. Actually, wherever I am right now, you can start contributing to this vision. 
Isn't that exciting? Because that's what God is like. He just loves you so much. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. Love our God. Love our family. Love worship, Linz. Come on, lead us in worship one more time. Come on, we'll finish with a song, then we'll, we'll wind it up. But um, is that okay? Love our God. Love our family. Love our world. But most of all, make sure that you've got a good vision. That it's built on faith, revealed by the Holy Spirit. Check it out. Check out your vision. It should affect your priorities, affect your bank balance, affect you do with your time, affect your hope, affect your vision, affects everything that you're doing. So it's important, and we want to be clear. And we'll spend time on this, and we always talk about this. But it's a new season, a new day, a third wave coming, exciting times. We're on the move. We haven't got, by any means, everything in place that we'd like to have, and we, we maybe never will have. But we want to start, and we want to just give you the assurance that here's where we're going, here's how we see things, and, and um, we hope you love it as much as we do. So, Linz, brave heart. Come on, let's worship. Stand together, shall we?